after you put your song book away this morning, please go ahead and get out your Bible and go over into your, into your Old Testament to the book of 1 Chronicles. Will you please go into your Bible to 1 Chronicles chapter 17. 1 Chronicles 17 in your Old Testament. This morning as we continue to try to focus on our theme of rising above for the year, I want to read some scripture to you from 1 Chronicles chapter 17 and verse number 1. In 1 Chronicles 17 and verse 1, the Bible says, And it came about when David dwelt in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I'm dwelling in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under curtains. Then Nathan said to David, Do all that's in your heart, for God is with you. It came about the same night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell David my servant, thus says the Lord, you shall not. You shall not build a house for me to dwell in, for I have not dwelt in a house since the day that I brought up Israel to this day. But I have gone from tent to tent and from one dwelling place to another. No. No, you're not going to do it. No, you're not going to build it. No, you are not going to build a house for my presence to dwell in. That was the message that God had for David on that occasion. That was the message that God had for this man who was a man after his own heart. Notice how God wanted this man after his own heart to understand that while his intentions were good, while his heart was in the right place, while he wanted to do something special for God and show God some honor for blessing him in so many different ways, he was not going to be able to do this. He was not going to be able to build God a temple. He was not going to be able to lead this great project or even see its completion. Instead, when we keep reading the book of First Chronicles, we learn that God says his son Solomon was going to do that. Solomon, a man of peace, was going to build, be the one to build the temple of God. That's the way that God wanted it to go. And can you imagine? Can you imagine how that must have made David feel? I mean, can you imagine how on this occasion, how, how completely devastated David was to hear that news, especially when you consider how the prophet Nathan initially gave him the green light to do the work the day before. David must have been totally devastated when the very next day God told him, no, you're not going to be the one to build me a temple, but David's not the only person in the Bible that we can read about facing disappointment. He's not the only person that we can read about in the Bible facing rejection. I mean, can you imagine how disappointed Moses must have been to have led the people of God for 40 years as they wandered in the wilderness, but he just missed out. He just missed out on being able to enter into the promised land. Can, can you imagine how disappointed Joshua and Caleb must have been 
to have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years due to the lack of faith of other people in Israel. Can you imagine how depressed and how disappointed Leah must have been when she had to wake up every single day realizing that her husband Jacob, he was never going to love her in the same way that he loved her sister Rachel. Can you imagine how disappointed Joseph must have been when he had to Wake up each day finding himself stuck in an Egyptian jail cell for a crime he did not commit or how disappointed Jesus must have been in Judas when he felt his kiss of betrayal in the Garden of Gethsemane. You see, in many ways, in many ways, the Bible, the Bible is a book that is loaded with one story of disappointment after another and isn't that how it goes sometimes? Isn't that how life goes sometimes? Isn't that how our lives go sometimes? I mean, when you stop and think about the lives that we live every single day, are not our lives constantly full of stories of disappointment? For example, maybe in the past 20 months, you have found yourself facing some disappointments due to COVID. Maybe you have found yourself for the past 20 months having to cancel wedding plans or vacation plans or anniversary plans or birthday party plans or maybe even burial plans for somebody that you loved. Maybe you have found yourself facing a whole bunch of disappointments over the past 20 months during this pandemic or maybe you have found yourself facing some, some disappointments in your marriage. Maybe you are married to someone who has disappointed you in the past because they were unfaithful to you. Maybe you wanted to marry somebody and you even asked them to marry you, but they said, no, no, I, I'm not going to marry you. No, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life with you. Maybe, maybe you have faced some disappointments on your job. Maybe despite all the hard work and all the long hours that you put in on your job, you were looked over for that promotion for someone else. Maybe you were really disappointed when that took place. For our young people, maybe you tried out for the basketball team or the football team or the baseball team or the soccer team, and you didn't make it. You didn't make the cut. After all the hard work that you put in behind the scenes, a bunch of other people made that final roster over you. Maybe, young people, you have faced disappointments like that before, or maybe for the parents who are here, maybe you've been disappointed by your kids. Maybe you've been disappointed by your grandkids. Maybe you've been disappointed by them, not because they don't have a good job and they don't have a bunch of degrees, but because they're not serving God right now. They're not serving Jesus right now. They have totally abandoned everything you tried to teach them about the Lord from the time they were very small. Maybe your kids or your grandkids have disappointed you or maybe Maybe the decisions made by brethren have disappointed you. Maybe you've been disappointed by brethren because they have treated you in the past in some of the ugliest and ungodly ways. 
Maybe you're disappointed by the lack of growth and passion that some brethren have in the service of God. Maybe you're disappointed by brethren because some have just fallen away. They left Jesus. They left the truth. And that really disappointed you because you, you thought they were stronger than they really were. I think it's safe to say that we've all faced this, right? We've all faced disappointments. We've all faced moments in our lives where, where we were rejected or we were overlooked or maybe things just didn't work out in the way that we desired. I have faced those moments. You faced those moments. The question is, what do we do about those moments? What do we do about our, our disappointments and, and our setbacks in life? How do we rise above these kinds of things and, and avoid allowing the devil to use our disappointments to hinder us in our service to God? Well, if you don't mind this morning in this study, I want to talk with you about that. I want to give you three very practical things, three things that we can do starting today to rise above the disappointments that come our way in life. And the first thing is this. The first thing we got to do to rise above our disappointments is we got to refuse to be overcome by self-pity. We got to refuse to be overcome with self-pity when it comes to our disappointments. I want you to think back with me about the story of David there in 1 Chronicles 17. If you go home today and you read the rest of David's story there in that book, you're going to see that after he was told by God that he was rejected to be the one to build the temple, God wanted somebody else to do that. Instead of David going home and pouting about that and being sad about that and being angry with God and saying, well, God doesn't care much about me. Instead of thinking like that, you know what David did? He continued to be thankful to God. He continued to serve God. He continued to worship God. He even used his resources and his influence to help gather things for, for Solomon to be able to, to do the work later on. David didn't, he wasn't overcome with, with self-pity. He didn't go home feeling sorry for himself because God had rejected him to be the one to build the temple. It reminds me of someone else we can read about in our Bibles. I want you to go to Acts chapter 1, please. Go in your Bible to Acts chapter 1. Remember, after Jesus had been raised from the dead and after he ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of God, the apostles needed to pick somebody to replace Judas. Remember, Judas had killed himself, and so they need somebody to be a 12th apostle. And the Apostle Peter says this in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 21. In Acts 1 and verse 21, Peter says, Therefore it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time, that the Lord went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they put forth two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, they prayed to God. They said, you, Lord, they want the Lord to do this. You, Lord, who knows the hearts of all men, show us which of these two you have chosen to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them and the lot fell to Matthias. And he, Matthias, was added to the 11 apostles. I want you to go back to verse 23, and I want you to notice, not Matthias, 
But I want you to notice a man we don't talk about very much. I want you to notice Joseph. I want you to notice this man named Barsabbas. How would you like to have been in the shoes of Barsabbas? How would you like to have gone on the roller coaster ride that he had to go on? I mean, notice how Barsabbas was such a good and godly man that he was actually considered to be an apostle. He was actually considered to be a special ambassador of Jesus Christ. He was considered to hold the position that Judas held before he committed suicide. I mean, out of all the people, and there are hundreds of them, out of all the people who followed Jesus during this time, only two people were considered to replace Judas after he died. Barsabbas and Matthias, and while that certainly was a huge honor for those men, when the results came in, Barsabbas wasn't chosen. Barsabbas wasn't picked. Barsabbas wasn't selected by God. Instead, God picked another man. He picked Matthias to be the next apostle. God rejected bar Sabbath and talk about some big time rejection. Talk about some big time denial. I mean, can you imagine being bar Sabbath? Can you imagine God personally picking somebody else to do a work over you? Someone says, well, bar Sabbath was just probably happy to be in the running. Give me a break. Give me a break. Can we get real this morning? Can we stop acting like the Bible is a book bunch that's full of a bunch of fairy tales and understand that these are real people? These are real people just like we, just like we are real people. And you know what that means? That means that just like you and I would have been, Bar Sabbath was probably very disappointed when he found out that God picked another man over him. Barsabbas was probably very disappointed when he realized that God had picked Matthias over him. But you know what? I doubt, I seriously doubt that that negatively impacted his service to God. I seriously doubt that he went home and laid in his bed and complained to his wife. And he said, well, you know what? God just don't like me very much. God picked this other guy over me. I seriously doubt that Barsabbas would have even been in that position in the first place had he had an attitude like that. I'm confident that even though Barsabbas may have been initially disappointed with God's decision, he picked himself up. And he was a real man, and he continued to serve God. He was just like the Apostle Paul in our scripture reading from this morning. Remember our scripture reading this morning? Remember Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Remember there, as Paul is, is sitting in a Roman jail cell, while he's going through a time where he's being treated unfairly in his life, while he has lost his freedom unjustly, while he is suffering because he had preached the gospel to a bunch of people, and they didn't hear what he had, want to hear what he had to say. While Paul was going through all, all that stuff, and those verses that were read for us this morning, you know what we learned? We learned from Paul that he refused to wallow in self-pity. 
He refused to, to feel sorry for himself. He refused to allow that situation to destroy his faith and destroy his service to God. Instead, he said in those verses that he decided to keep on preaching the word of God right where he was. He said that he had decided to preach the word of God to the guards and the other people in the prison. In fact, in verse number 12, he told us that other disciples in the world had, had known about his work of preaching the gospel while in prison, and they were inspired. They were one to be just like him. They wanted to follow his example to keep doing God's work in the midst of persecution. Even though the apostle Paul was going through a very trying and discouraging and disappointing time in his life, he refused to be overcome by self-pity. He refused to be overcome with anger and resentfulness and bitterness and selfishness. He decided to continue staying focused on Jesus Christ and glorifying his name. And my dear friends, that's how we need to be. That's how I need to be. That's how you need to be. When disappointments and letdowns come our way in life, instead of allowing the devil to use those things to cripple us and make us selfish and disable us in our faith, you know what we need to do? We need to challenge ourselves to stay focused. We need to challenge ourselves to stay focused on Jesus. We need to challenge ourselves to understand that while we are disappointed about something that hasn't gone right in our lives, God still has work he needs us to do. God still has people he needs us to encourage. God still has lost people he, he needs us to reach. God still has a gospel that needs to be preached. God still has given us responsibilities in our families that he needs us to fulfill. David, Barsabbas, and the Apostle Paul, they all face difficult and disappointing circumstance in their lives, but they refused. They refused to be overcome with self-pity. They refused to allow those circumstances to hinder their service to God and their faith in Jesus Christ, and that's something that we need to make sure we're doing today. If we're going to rise above our disappointments, we can't feel sorry for ourselves when we're disappointed. We got to refuse to be overcome with self-pity. And then secondly, we got to recognize the good that can come through our disappointments. How often do you do that in, in your life? The Apostle Paul did that in his. Let's look at some more stuff from the Apostle Paul. And let's go now to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, please. Will you go in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and read with me? Or chapter 12, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 7. Chapter 12 and verse 7. The Bible says this, it says 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 7, because, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Notice carefully that language. For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content, Paul says. I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Notice how here Paul is telling us again. 
But at this time in his life, he, he had another problem. He, he had a, another disappointing moment that he was going through. He had something else in his life that was, that was really causing him to be kind of miserable. He says it was a thorn. He says he had a thorn in the flesh. He said he had something that was from the devil that, that was making him and causing him to suffer terribly in his life. And I realized, I realized that, that, when, that when reading what Paul says there so often, we want to know what, what was that? What was that? What was that thorn? Was it persecution? Was it some persecution that Paul was facing from the Jews? That's a common thought. Was it some kind of health problem? Did he suffer from epilepsy? Was did he have bad eyesight? Did he have anxiety, depression? Did he have some kind of sinful temptation that he was having a difficult time overcoming? So often, so often that's what we want to focus on when we read Paul's words there, but the fact of the matter is. We don't know. We don't know what Paul's thorn was. We don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. Instead, you know what the Bible tells us? Well, the Bible tells us how Paul decided to respond to his thorn. The Bible tells us that Paul prayed to the Lord three times about that thorn. And God told him no. God told him, no, I'm not going to take that away. No, I'm not going to make your life better when it comes to that. Yes, that thorn is going to stay right there. That's what God told Paul. And Paul said he decided to see the good in that. Paul says that he decided to see the good that came from his thorn instead of being overcome with self-pity and selfishness over his thorn. Instead of grumbling and griping and complaining because God didn't take the thorn away, instead of saying things like, well, God, why are you doing this to me? Why won't you help me? You don't love me. You don't care about me. I didn't do anything to deserve this thorn. Instead of saying those kinds of things, Paul says he challenged himself to understand that there was a reason why God didn't take that thorn away. There was a reason why God left that thorn right where it was. Paul understood that the reason why God didn't take his thorn away was because he was going to use it to do some good for him. He was going to use it to keep him humble due to all these amazing visions, these revelations. Paul says that he had been blessed to see in his life because he was an apostle. It would have been easy for him to be full of pride. Paul said he struggled with pride. And it would have been easy for him to be overcome with pride because he was an apostle. It would have been easy for him to say, well, you know what? I'm better than other people in the church. I'm better than other disciples because I have been blessed to see things they have not been able to see. Paul says that it would have been easy for him to have that kind of attitude. But by saying no to his request to take his thorn away, you know what God was doing for him? God was helping him out. God was blessing him. God was actually using that thorn to keep Paul humble and more dependent on him. Paul recognized the good that came through his disappointment. The question is, what about you? What about me? What about us? I mean, like the Apostle Paul, can we also see the good that God can accomplish in our lives through our disappointments? 
For example, can we see how by not getting that promotion on our job, God could actually be doing something good for us through that disappointment. God could actually be using that disappointment to help keep our priorities straight. God may know something that we don't know. God may know that that promotion we want so bad, it has attached with it us working some very long hours, and that means we're going to miss a ton of worship services and a lot of quality time with our family. Can we see that? Can we see how that big wedding or that big birthday party that had to be canceled last year due to a surge in COVID? Well, maybe that was a tool or is a tool that God can use to help, to help simplify our lives. Maybe this time last year, due to all the stuff we had going on in our lives, the last thing we needed was to be organizing some big event like a big wedding or a big birthday party. Maybe me not making my sports team. Maybe me not making the basketball team or the soccer team or the football team was a tool that God said, I'm going to use to keep you humble. Maybe God saw into my heart and he saw that, hey, I got some pride issues. I got a big head at times, and so I'm going to use that disappointment to help keep you down where you need to be. I need to bring you back down to earth a little bit. Maybe that sickness I've been struggling with or those prodigal children or grandchildren I have right now, those children who have left the Lord, maybe those are tools that God says I'm going to use to equip you to be able to help other people in the church who are going through the same thing. I got a lot of people in my church who are going through the same kind of thing, and I'm going to use you to be relatable to those people. I'm going to use your disappointment to help brothers and sisters who are suffering with the same disappointment. There are a ton of other examples we could use this morning, but here's the point. The point is, instead of seeing our disappointments and nothing but a negative light, you know what we need to challenge ourselves to do? We need to challenge ourselves to see the good in them. We need to challenge ourselves to see the blessings that can come from our disappointments. We need to challenge ourselves to, to see our disappointments as tools that God can use to mold us and shape us and help us grow and help other people in his church. We need to rise above our disappointments by refusing to be overcome with self-pity. And we need to recognize the good in our disappointments. And then thirdly, let me close with this. We also need to resist the urge to give up. We need to resist the urge to give up on Jesus and on life as a whole. Because it can be easy to want to give up in life because we go through disappointments. And so will you go back to Philippians one more time with me this morning? To Philippians chapter 3. I want to show you something in Philippians 3. In Philippians chapter 3 and in verse number 12. The Apostle Paul said these words in Philippians 3 and verse 12. Not that, I, not that I have already obtained it. Or have already become perfect. The idea of perfect there is fully mature as a Christian. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, 
I press on, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Remember again where Paul is writing that from. He's writing that from a, from a jail cell. He's writing that from a Roman prison. He's in prison just because he preached the gospel and a bunch of people didn't like what he had to say. But notice, despite that, despite that, despite the setbacks, despite the obstacles, despite the disappointments that he's facing at that time in his life, he was determined, he says, to never quit. He says, he says I'm never going to quit. I'm never going to fall into despair. Paul wasn't going to whine. He wasn't going to complain. He wasn't going to gripe. He wasn't going to use his difficult circumstance as an excuse to give up on the work of Jesus Christ. Instead, instead of doing those things, that would have certainly cost him his soul. Paul says that he was determined to press on. He was determined to keep going. He was determined to rise above his disappointments by staying focused on the prize of heaven. And there's so many other people in the Bible that we can read about having the same attitude, right? I mean, think about it. In the Bible, we could also say that same kind of stuff about people like Peter and Caleb and David and Moses and Joseph. I mean, all those people, all those people that we read about in our Bibles, they faced major disappointments. Major moments of discouragement, major moments of rejection in their lives. But you know what they never did? They never gave up. They never threw in the towel. They continue to have faith in God and have faith in his word. And they always made the most out of their situations. For example, in the case of Peter, think about Peter. Peter denied the Lord three times. On the same night. But he didn't quit. He didn't give up on Jesus. He repented. He asked the Lord to forgive him. And he was blessed to be the one that God used to preach the gospel first to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Caleb had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years due to a lack of faith from other people in Israel, but he survived those 40 years. He got through that wandering in the wilderness, and when we get to the book of Judges, we find someone like him. When we get to Numbers and Judges, we find Caleb and his people. They're continuing to fight giants for the Lord. Caleb served the Lord as an 85-year-old man fighting giants. And they think about David. No, David didn't get to build the temple. He wanted to build the temple. He didn't get to. But you know what he did? He kept going. He gathered the resources that were necessary for Solomon to do it later on. Moses, he didn't get to go into the promised land. But he trained and he mentored Joshua to lead God's people later. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. But he persevered. He kept going even though he spent time in prison. And eventually God blessed him providentially to be able to rise in power in Egypt. All these people, all these people, they faced disappointments. They were disappointed again and again and again, but they never gave up. 
They never stop serving the Lord, and we can be just like them, just like all these people that we read about in our Bibles. We can persevere, and we can keep going in the midst of disappointments. We can do that when it comes to, to our marriages. You know, right now, if we're going through some very disappointing times in our marriages. Instead of saying, well, you know what, this week, I'm going to end this. We're going to go to the courthouse. We're going to file divorce, and we're going to get out of this. Instead of having that kind of mindset that is not the will of God, you know what we need to do today? We need to go home, get our spouse, sit them down, look them right in the eye, and say, I am determined to do my part to make this work. I love you. I want to keep my vows. We're going to get into the Bible. We're going to study the Bible. We're going to pray. And I'm going to at least do my part because all I can control is myself. I'm going to do my part to help make this marriage everything God wants it to be. We can keep going if we're having disappointments in our marriages. And we can also keep going when it comes to, to the work of the Lord's church. You know, if we have found ourselves discouraged and disappointed by how our numbers are still not what they were pre-pandemic, we don't need to say today, well, you know, there's no way we could ever get back to that again. There's no way we could ever get back to where we were pre-pandemic. I guess we just need to be content with where we are right now. We don't need to say that kind of stuff. We don't need to even think that kind of stuff. Instead, you know what we need to do? Instead of thinking that things are not going to get better, we need to say right here, right now, I'm going to get busy going to work for the Lord here, and I'm going to help make things better. I'm going to roll up my sleeve today, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to get on that church directory, and I'm going to find out who hasn't been here in the last few months, and I'm going to start making some calls. I'm going to find out where some people are. I'm going to do some encouraging. I'm going to do some admonishing. I'm going to start inviting. I'm going to start opening up my home so the brethren can come in there and study the Bible with me. I am not going to settle for anything but an excellent effort for the Lord. I'm not going to let disappointment cause me to give up. You see, while disappointments and setbacks, they come our way in life. We all face them from time to time. I face them. You face them. But we never need to let them hinder our service to God. We need to, you never need to let them cripple us and, and disable us like so many other servants that we can read about in the Bible. We need to press on. We need to keep going. We need to always understand that even in the midst of disappointments, we can still do wonderful things for God. We can do that because, guess what? We serve a God who never disappoints. We serve a God who never lets us down. He never fails to keep his promises. You see, while people let us down, people let you down in life. Family members let you down at times. Even brethren let you down. People sometimes will let you down. But you know someone who will never let you down? God will never let you down. The Lord will never let you down. He'll always be faithful to you and to his promises. The question is, are you being faithful to him? Are you living a life that is pleasing to him? Or, or are you disappointing him right now in your life? If you sit there this morning, you realize that you're living a life of disappointment to God. 
maybe because you've never responded to his gospel, or maybe because you have, you're technically a Christian, but you're not living a life of a zealous, faithful Christian. If that describes you this morning, you can repent, and the Lord will forgive you, and he'll take you back, and you can hit the reset button on your spiritual walk, or if you're someone here who needs to respond in faith and repentance and baptism to the glorious gospel for the first time, whatever you need to do this morning to leave here so that you can be pleasing to the Father, come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing together.